it was a tale of two games this weekend. This is how it started, but this is how it finished. Arsenal come back from 1-0 down, assure the guaranteed victory, uh, guaranteed because the Gooners pod guaranteed it to you. This, ladies and gentlemen, is how we do it on the Gooners pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Welcome to the Gooners Pod. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gooners Pod. We've got a review show, a preview show, and a whole lot more. I'm Jared. With me, as always, is the ever-present on the Gooners Pod, Magic Mike. What's up, buddy? How are you? I don't know. The last podcast we did, I don't think I was on it, uh, and I think it did quite well in the ratings. Um, You know, I get the special you know, founder channel, founder, uh, ratings and feedback from the focus groups. And, uh, and you know, you did all right. It did well. Well, you'll still take in the vast majority of the pennies that come in from the YouTube revenue. Oh no, no YouTube revenue. Uh, (laughs) little, little, uh, issue with like, you know, we, uh, we may or may not have nicked the copyrights or something. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, so uh, we have to forfeit the four sets, um, which, I'll, I'll cover that. You know, that that's fine. It's all for a good cause. So as everybody can tell, Mike's joining us from the road. He's not in his usual office. He's sitting in a closet somewhere in Europe. I'm not sure if he's in England, Amsterdam. I'm not sure if you know where you are right now. Um, I did a few minutes ago. I am in Amsterdam. I'm overlooking the uh, river. Um, I believe it is the River Dam, actually. Uh, but I could be completely wrong. And if I were, if I am, I would say, you know, Damn. Um, and uh, yeah, had a, had a pretty interesting. It's mine's been such an interesting journey, Jared. I just want to talk to you about my journey in life. Um, it's, just, it's been interesting, and this is and this is why I told you if we started the podcast without someone to take the pressure off of how ridiculously obnoxious I am right now. No, that's fine. We're used to it. As is the chat. So nice. speaking of that, we should give a quick shout out. I see a bunch of the regulars in here. Gooner works. What's up to you? I see BX in here. Dempsec, as always. What's up, you guys? Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. Andy's going to join us shortly. Uh, we'll talk about Fulham upcoming games and all of that. But the reason Mike is on the road or one of the reasons he got a chance to go to the Arsenal, I'd say social media event of the summer. Uh, he was at Tom Canton's wedding. 
So give us a quick you know, rundown. How was the wedding? How's the trip? The, yeah, the trip was fine. I mean, no one wants to know about the trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but that was nice of you to ask. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you achieve a level of stature uh, in the in the community, you are extended such privileges um, as attending the nuptials of lovely podcasting royalty, and um, and and having having once received such invite. Uh, unlike all of my compatriots who suddenly said, no, I, I can't handle the pressure, um, I said, yeah. Um, and, and so I was the only podcasting representative, and, and I would have loved for there to be more, but uh, I held up the torch for all of us. I also held up my wife, um, and, um, and then we left early. And, and uh, so that was it, was, it was a wonderful, wonderful event, honestly and seriously. Tom and Georgia are a lovely couple, and it was it was everything I hoped that they would have wanted, and 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 they're very welcome for my help with planning it. Yeah, I'm sure they're really appreciative of of your uh, your input to the big day. But no, seriously, massive congratulations to Tom and his new wife. We wish you all the best for years to come in everything you do, of course. Now, speaking of the second biggest Arsenal social media event of the summer, everybody's got an opportunity this Friday: the Gooters versus Cancer live event in London. Uh, at the Ridley Road Social Club this Friday starts at 6.30 p.m. Just a fiver to get in. You see the banner across the bottom of the screen. Uh, the link's also in the description. Uh, there's going to be a great guest list of a panel discussion about Arsenal. Mike, of course, will emcee the event. Uh, but Tom from Gooner Talk will be there. So the library squad. Yeah. FK from Latte Firm. Harry Simeu from Chronicles of a Gooner. Uh, James Benj now from CBS Sports will be there. So... It's going to be a great group of people, enjoyable Arsenal conversation. All the money from those tickets is going to, of course, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society via Gooners v. Cancer. So it's for a good cause, a lot of fun, a lot of prizes to be won. Like I said, link in the description if you want to go ahead and book your spot, just a fiver, and it'll be a great day for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, there's plenty of spots left. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we've got the room for you if you want to come, uh, and you'll have a really, really good chance of winning one of two great prizes. I mean, we are giving away to someone in attendance. Um, so you can't, you know, if you don't buy a ticket, if you don't go, you can't uh, get entered in this, but we're going to get a, a shirt that is, or we're going to provide a shirt that is signed by, uh, you know, a number of last year's first team players, um, from, uh, from the team and, uh, also a signed and she's in, she's in, uh, in the chat right now. So everybody say hi to Ruth Beck. Um, this is a, a incredibly rare item here. Um, it is a joint venture that was done with Gav from She War, and I'm seeing if I actually uploaded the picture of it on this background, which I hope I do, uh, but it, it is an amazing piece of art called Highbury Days with a tremendous number of, of kind of Highbury memorabilia and historic, uh, you know, history and historialisms. And, uh, and it's just, it's amazing. And you'll be able to get a signed, framed version, one of five that are going to be made available for this. And then you'll see it in uh, the She War shop as a uh, puzzle a little bit later on. So, uh, and Ruth will be there personally giving that away. So, yeah, very yeah. cool. And I know we don't have the photo. I see Ruth in the chat. So shout out to her. And you can check it out on her Instagram. It's at Ruth Beck Art. She's got a photo of it up. It really is a, a cool piece that you'll have a good chance of getting your hands on if you show up on Friday. 
Yeah, go go to buyruthbeckart.com. Uh, but the buy it's www.buyruthbeckart.com. Absolutely. So now that we're done plugging all of our own stuff, let's talk a little bit about Arsenal. Uh, we've got a great perspective here because Mike was basically sitting pitch side this weekend, had, had a great view, a great spot at the Emirates. What was the atmosphere like? Well, let me ask you this. What was the atmosphere like up until the first goal and then immediately after the first goal? Because that's kind of the, the big change in the game. Well, let me start earlier. I'm going to tell you what the atmosphere was like last year. Um, and I was <laughs> impressed. I was impressed with how the atmosphere was changing last year. Um, you know, from uh, considering that most of my visits came, you know, October and, le- and and then April, and you know, by that point we were questionably overachieving. You know, but from just the moment you got in there, it, it is a different situation. This is I'm not, I'm not going to make the the mistake of of like legitimately and meaningfully say, you know, this feels like Highbury because nothing ever will and it doesn't it can't because of the way that the stadium is set up but just the connection the the strings between the players and the and the uh and the supporters just the way you feel that you push them and they move faster that that kind of uh, a dance a ballet dance but <laughs> i'm just fucking can't stop talking <laughs> i think i ate something bad today um but uh I mean, it's 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 un, it's unlike I felt since I've been in Highbury as far as the connection with the with the club. It's not it's not the same feel, but it's the same feeling. And and that's needed. I mean, the statistics bear it out. There, there's a reason there's a home a home stadium advantage. There's a reason the teams that are at home win consistently more, and it's not just because they're familiar with the grass of the pitch they're playing on. The the crowd obviously plays a big role in all sports. So to have it shifting in a good direction for Arsenal when the team's already moving in a good direction. I mean, obviously those two things tend to tend to parallel each other uh, on the upswing, but it is great to see. And it's something I'm sure that the team appreciates uh, the well, passion and, in our fans half the time when it's going well. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't even answer your question because I, I talked about the comparison overall for last year. Um, but uh, I mean, it was, it was a supportive, it was loud as the first half goes on and there's no score. You, you know, you, you, we certainly had the better of the play, but not not exclusively. Um, but I, I, what I what I felt from the crowd yesterday when we when we conceded the first goal was there's a lot of time left and this is a different team. Mm-hmm. And I said I, I I I turned around to the people around me who were like, "Are you Magic Mike?" Um, and actually, actually, the person two seats next to me did say that. That was, it was uh, but. Uh, they, you know, what was I talking about? <laughs> I think you were talking about your celebrity status, so that, oh, that no. means it's time to steer it back in a positive direction here. God. What was I talking about with the people around me? There's really no way of knowing. Okay, they were, yeah, they, well, they were very happy about how, how the game went. No, just generally talking I about told the, the people around me that we were going to win the game mm-hmm. and, and, and not to worry about it. And thus forth, that's what I meant on the intro when I said, listen, we assured the win for Arsenal and you owe us. Yeah. And I mean, that's been the criticism in years past is when we've gone down a goal, you see the energy drop, you see the body language change. And I think all of us, including at times, I think the players didn't really think there was a way back. So it it was funny last week, Aston and I talked about this exact thing and said, you know, it'll be interesting whenever we concede first in a game this year, because up to that point, 
you know, we had had a pretty easy go of it. So lo and behold, we have that conversation three days later, we concede a, a pretty careless goal to Mitrovic. I mean, you, you can't give him any opportunities, but a little careless, an ugly way to give one up. But the team bounced right back, and it, it may have helped that it was shortly before halftime, so you have time to kind of resettle and figure out what you're going to do. But there's no doubt the team looked relatively unfazed and came out just as aggressive as they did the first 40 minutes when they completely dominated the game. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the there was a palpable, you know, when the, when the goal goes in, there's a groan in the crowd. And then it immediately swayed, and I, I would imagine this came out on television, unless mm-hmm. the uh, unless you know literally unless the announcers were so screaming at the goal or being so loud you couldn't hear it. But uh, you know, within five or ten seconds, it was just kind of that that silence, and then awesome, awesome. I mean, it just it's it was like a roar that took over the stadium again, and and uh, I mean. When when things are going well, you you, are, you you do that. When when they're, I mean, I haven't heard that in so long. You know, just it, it takes such a small amount of time to, uh, you know, when you're when you go down by a goal to 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 get back supportive behind the team again. It was great. Yeah, and it's great to hear. And it did come through. Even sitting here watching at home, you could tell that there was a an energy in the stadium, and and it kept the team rolling. And I think a big part of that too was Martin Odegaard, who the entire first half. An unbelievable performance. He was easily, for, for me, he was the man of the match. I thought he stood out, kind of dictated play for the first 40 minutes. His passing was incredible and, and really put in a captain's performance. That, of course, capped by the equalizing goal, which is three goals and two for him. Do you think we're going to see more of that from him this year where he's more of a goal threat than maybe he was in his prior time here? Absolutely. Um, and Honestly, I think the the thing that best enables that to happen is the arrival of Gabriel Gabriel Jesus. The same thing mm-hmm. that is going to make him an assist king. Uh, it, it's just he's going to be in situations kind of like Fabregas was when when you know what when uh, when he had forwards that he didn't have to uh, you know the, the, that were going to draw the attention away f- from them, and he'd be in the position to score goals. And you know we saw. We saw ESR do it last year in a number of different cases where as soon as the focus was off of Obama Yang and, and, and my thoughts go out to Obama Yang and his family, uh, I mean, that's not cool. Uh, what happened to them? Did you hear about that? I have you no look, idea what you're referencing. You look confused, but uh, <laughs> apparently Obama Yang uh, was like attacked and his family were like robbed or attacked or something like that. When? Like just today? Yeah. Am I, tell me, I'm not making that up. I hope you're not making that up. I haven't. I mean, I'm not making. I'm not making it up. On. I'm not making it up. If I'm making it up, it's because <laughs> my, I have a mental mental state right now. I'm not trying to be funny. Okay, so yeah, one of the trending topics on Twitter: Obama Yang robbed. Uh, yeah. Oh, last yeah. night, broke into his home, robbed him, beat him, and threatened him and his wife with a firearm. My God. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, you looked like like you were. No, I hadn't seen that. I haven't been online at all today. I have other stuff going on. But was uh, this happening in in Essex? Was he there? Was I here? Was I there? No, I thought. Were you talking about Obama? Yeah. Yeah, No, no. I I I was talking about Obama. West Essex is such a dangerous place for people right now, getting beat up and mugged, allegedly. Is that an area that you're? uh, 
interesting. Mike's not. Mike's not. He's not. He's not picking up what you're putting out there. Hey, Andy, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Good to see you. Just Glad you can he just got it. He's mad at himself because he just got it. <laughs> Sorry. BRB. As, <laughs> this, as Andy's gotten more important in his own mind and life, I think one of the flexes he uses is one, he always shows up late just so you're aware that his time's more important than yours. And then also plans these random phone calls. He's probably hitting the little setting to just make it go off to have that air of importance about him. Well, I've, I've, I've just, Romano. he took himself off the screen. I just put it back on again. Uh, so, I mean, without his uh, authorization. So well, I'll do him a favor and at least mute him just in case. That <laughs> well, that was, that's the only good reason to bring him the up there. Do you think he's going to walk across naked? But, you know, like, oh, I didn't realize Mike could turn the thing back on. <laughs> you never really know when these things get started where it's going to end up, but it's usually somewhere strange. And here we are. Well, again, my, <laughs> again, my uh, my consideration was to say that when he was no longer playing, ESR got the benefit of a lot more attack, get to score some, uh, uh, you know, some some nice rebound goals. I mean, you know, Odegaard was in the right place, right time for for a Jesus rebound. It wasn't like, you know. Uh, a goal that I mean, it was just a tap in, but that he's he's going to be in those positions. But I mean, even the tapping goals—that's the product of, like you said, right place and right time means you're doing what you should be doing and understanding where the danger is and putting yourself in dangerous spots. So I, I hate when people try and discredit those goals because they all count the same, and typically it's because somebody read the situation properly and put themselves in the right area. Oh yeah, no, I love I, I love those goals. Um, but yet, for some reason, I just differentiated the uh, tap-in goal from other times. Yeah, that's so, what people do. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, <laughs> if you're done, if you're done completely big timing us, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Fulham. Uh, I, you know, it's a nice part of London. Um, you know, I think that the <laughs> it's where Chelsea are located. <laughs> no, man. You know, uh, so I had a kind of weird. Uh, Oliver had a like his you know under five soccer party at a pool. So I had the game on at the te- te- uh, at the table, and all the dads were around it watching. And even when we went down that one uh, that goal, I just thought to myself, maybe it was because of the sustained pressure that we just kept putting on them. I kept thinking, like, man, I am not worried. Like, we are going to get this back. And it was just like, I have not. Did you turn around that- to the people around you and say that? Because huh? I did. I said, did you turn around to all the people around you and the? Uh- well, the, as you uh, know, me at swimming pools, I have to be ready to, to save lives. Okay. So well, I was, so you, you know. So you didn't see any of the goals then? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I legitimately, I was just thinking like, man, this is like, I, I'm not worried. And then I even, I don't know if you guys thought this too, but when Gabrielle kind of fucked up and, and we conceded the goal, I thought he's going to nick the winner now. Like I just, in my mind was like, this guy is just so incredible. And, you know, he's so successful on set pieces and, and attacking the goal. I was just like, he's going to You want us like, to think how, how incredible you are for predicting that everything was going to happen and how successful you are. You're projecting <laughs> your, your comments on from Gabrielle onto yourself, I believe, because Hold on, let me you, change because you, you, you've picked all the winners. So did you know, did you have a, a sense of when Gabrielle was going to score? You know, that was like, I that I just didn't have. 85-39, you know? something like that came through. 
No, I just yeah. never thought we were we were in doubt or we were in danger. And then once the goal went in, you could just tell it was it was happening. And you know how like you see that a lot with Liverpool and City, not many other teams, you know. And then it's funny. I was talking to my dad, who you guys know, our big West Ham fan. He's like, I didn't see the match, but I looked at the possession, and he's like, Holy shit! Like you guys must have just been swarming them. And I'm like, We we really were. You know? Yeah, I think it ended in 70, 72% for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. We had double the shots, more than double the shots on target. It was all around a dominant performance for what the scoreline read. It didn't look that way, but it kind of handled them to, from beginning to end outside of 10 seconds that Gabrielle just uh, just shut off. But it was nice to see him come back and get the winner. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a redemption story of the finest. How How is Mitrovic even alive after taking that, like, cannon from Ramsdale? Laser right to the face. <laughs> I would um, be, like, I'd still be out. You know, yeah, he He's a pretty big Don't game, so he's about Serbians? When Someone said something about Serbian one time on our pod. Mike, are you still in Anne Frank's, like, like where are you? <laughs> That's, that's borderline. That's no, it's borderline. not like you're in like a you're in a tiny room. I'm just wondering where you're at. <laughs> All right, for some context here. Andy knows I'm in Amsterdam. Andy knows that five hours ago I visited Anne Frank's house, and it was a very solemn and and peaceful experience. It is. I've been there. It is and, pretty. And and yeah. and and, yeah. and therefore. He's not making fun of the situation because I have, I have a hotel room that I have. In order to not have my wife in the background sleeping, I have to actually turn it to the corner. So this is a hotel I, room in Amsterdam, but it's not a, uh, I a closet in Anne Frank's house. That was like 50 square feet. They're not very – like the bathtub was like there's no chance a human, if they're not a baby, can oh. like take a bath in it. Well, you know what? Those facilities were a lot better than the next place they were. So, and also this, I'll tell you this, uh, is she actually asleep or can she hear this? Oh, uh, I just, I thought you said, is she a zebra or is she hairless? <laughs> no, I, said, <laughs> I said, is she asleep or can she hear this? Uh, I think she, she's asleep. Oh, so yesterday, this is what I was going to do this morning, and I didn't do it, and I wish I would have. I should, maybe I shouldn't tell you. No, I'll just tell you because I might still do it. So yesterday, I get a text on my phone, and it's from a number I don't have, and it's like Mike essentially texted me from his wife's number to ask me to tell Danny the GFP on ABW something, and so I, you know, I, I do all that, and then this I, then I, because I know Mike's got the phone. I'm like, but wait, Mike, this isn't the phone she asked me to send the D pics to. So I was like, whose number is this, right? So then this morning I was getting out of the shower and I was like, wouldn't it be really funny if I took a, like a funny photo with like a hair thing on that Chris has, you know, so her hair doesn't get wet, the towel wrapped around looking all sexy and send it to Steph. Cause she would be like, I've never met Andy. Obviously Mike and I've known each other forever. and We've met, but that that's just funny. And then I was like, I'm in a rush. I don't have time to do it. And Mike might get mad. Then I'm like, wait, but Mike might find that funny. You know, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I, th- I think that would be pretty fun. I mean, I don't give, I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. We'll I mean, I assume his wife thinks we're a bunch of degenerates anyway, so I don't think it's gonna be too big of a shock if that comes through. I'm pretty sure she looks at me as being the biggest degenerate. Um, didn't yeah, you try? Didn't, didn't you put on the podcast once in your bedroom in the boudoir? You know, 
I thought that you were watching it in bed once with her, and she was. Oh like, yeah, no, I, I, th I thought you were asking if we, if I recorded one <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> no, uh, I mean technically I'm doing that right now, but, um, but uh, yeah, I, I sometimes we would consume beverages, and then uh, then I would make her watch the book, <laughs> or I would strongly suggest when she wasn't uh, uh, in a position to care anymore that, that I put on the. Uh, the podcast. Uh, so the only way that she can listen is if she consumes a bunch of alcohol. Uh, yeah, no, she's not otherwise interested. I think that's the only way a lot of people can listen. To be to be fair, did you guys, um, Mike? Probably not, Jared. I don't know if you've got the Atletico uh, Madrid uh, Valencia game on. The uh, the young American kid on Valencia scored like a forty yard screamer. Right, absolutely beautiful upper ninety goal, and the commentator said he called it a star-spangled banger <laughs> of the goal. I wonder how long he's had that in his pocket, just waiting he's to say it. Been waiting, just been waiting. Oh, let's see. Um, so mine has. Did this like just happen right now? Uh, the goal was scored in uh, the first half. It's in the seventieth minute, but they called it back. So something happened. Oh leading up to the play and the, the teams were still playing and then they went back and reviewed something with the VAR and they said the, you know, a foul should have been called or something. I don't know what happened, but um, yeah. It was, it was a beautiful goal though. It would have been up for the, what's the, did they change the name to the Giroud goal of the year? Who's the Puskas? Yeah. <laughs> no, they did not only did they do that, but the, the Europa League finals in the Puskas arena, I believe. Where's that? Where is where Eunice is that? Musa with the Pushkas? It's getting out of hand. It's uh, <laughs> that's you should you should go with that. Um, I think it's in Budapest. Also, Mike, if you're in Amsterdam, why out of all the things that you could drink are you having a Corona? Because I had to get it from the um, uh, from the little mart down in the hotel lobby. I, I, they didn't have anything else. They they actually didn't have Heineken. Um, and, Is it Cronenberg? Uh, Isn't that a, a Dutch beer? No, no. There were like three different types of cans, and and at this point, it doesn't matter what I'm drinking. That's not the issue. <laughs> What's the issue? Your mom. All right. How did we get off? I mean, this this has nothing to do with the Arsenal game. I'm trying to figure out where. Cronenberg I love when Mike from. is baffled at how these pods get off topic. French. No, I, I, it's not that I don't know that it was me. I just don't remember what it was. Mike's no, since, just like, where am I right now? Well, since Andy didn't have anything of substance to add on Fulham, we might as well just hey. jump in and start talking about Villa. <clears throat> when do we play that? Wednesday. Short <laughs> yeah. week. Jesus. It is a short week. Uh, we go Villa then United, right? Yeah. Yeah. Villa Wednesday, United Sunday. And Villa's off to a slow start. I think they've got one win, three losses, have looked terrible in every little bit I've seen them. I think we bang them. We should. And, and they're a little. Fulham felt like the tougher game than Villa. Yeah. And when, when you, you look at their, their squad, it seems like there's a lot of talent there. They should be a top half team, and maybe they'll get there. I mean, it's early on, but they've looked exception, exceptionally poor early on. From and that's, the little Steven bit Ger that's Steven Gerrard's team, right? Mm hmm. For now, yeah, yeah, we'll see yeah. how long that uh, is going to last. 
the football ramble had something funny on their show today this morning. They said that uh, Brendan Rogers, by the time the season's over, will be a fired by Leicester and will be the Aston Villa manager <laughs> before like uh, April. And I'm like, that's a pretty good shout because they're both shit and we should be maximizing points again. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, really, the way both of those teams started. I think Leicester, are they currently sitting 20th? I think they're bottom of the table right now. Yeah, they are bottom of the table. I mean, and, and then they've and, got and, and West Ham's like third from bottom, and I think Wolves. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird start to the year. The nice thing for us, we you know we play Wednesday and Sunday at Old Trafford, but United plays Leicester, but they don't play till Thursday, so they're going to be on even shorter rest than we are. Yeah, we're yeah. we're going to jump on them early. Uh, oh, wait, are we talking about United now? Talk about whichever one you want. This is what this is. This is Merlot, Mike. Everyone, okay. <laughs> Merlot is not the issue right now. Oh, where the hell is my bell? What? I just heard a bell. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hold on. What hey, wake up, Steph! By taking her feet. No, I, I, think, I think this is for me the like the potential banana skin for the first couple matches of the season. Um, I know that we're riding high. I'm having a deja vu moment right now with that bell and just this scenario. Um, I, I do think that this could because Villa have those players right that can mm-hmm. that can do something and they're and they're not playing well. Um, you know, you don't want to play a team like them or United when they're when they're losing quite a bit. And uh, I, I there's just a sense in this team, especially with how young we are, that we're not um, we're not going to mentally lose games, right? Like even when we go down, it seems like we have enough in the tank to pull something out. Um, God, could you imagine like two months ago? three months ago, if you were to say like, Hey, we're going to start the season like undefeated with 12 points. I mean, that is just absolutely insane. Like it's insane. And I, and I know the fixtures have been kind to us, but like you can only beat the teams in front of you. We are going to hit a slippery slope in October, but Jesus, I mean, it's not the way that we're just, you know, we're getting three points. It's how we're doing it. We're just so confident in play. And when we let goals go in, we think, all right, we got this still. And I don't see Villa being a banana skin. Out of all the games, this is the one where I was thinking, okay, this is the team, right? Like this mm-hmm. is the team, even more than United, that could cause us an issue. But I just – the confidence is so high in this young group of players. I'm, I'm excited to see what we do. I am too. And the thing is, we talk a lot about since we have Jesus, our attack and Odegaard and Saka, and rightfully so, because they've been great and they've been dominating in the press. But on the defensive end, we've given up three goals this year. One was Gabrielle just misplaying it to Mitrovic, and one was a Saliba own goal. So when our defense is set just out there defending, they've given up one goal in four games. And we really haven't given up a ton of shots on target. We're one of the lowest in the league, I'm sure. I haven't looked at the numbers, but we absolutely have to be. So the whole team's just looked like a dominant side. When you watch the game against Fulham, like you guys said, there wasn't really a fear that we weren't going to come back and get something out of that game when we went down. And that's way different than we've seen in the past. But but I'm with you on Villa being a little bit of a trap game just because you start to look at United 
on Sunday. And obviously we want to go get a result at Old Trafford and kind of stick it to that bunch. With that in mind, though, Mike, we'll go to you. If you're Mikel Arteta, do you rotate some for this midweek game? You know, we have a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. Are you trying to make these guys ride it out and keep winning with the same 11? Or, or do you think this is the opportunity to maybe make a couple of changes? I don't want to I don't want to overlook Aston Villa. I do think the game will be quite easy, but but uh, I do think that this is kind of where you have to rotate just a little bit. And it's not because we're you know we're 40 games into the season and the guys are tired and we got to figure that out. I think Zaka could probably use a game where he comes off the bench for 25 minutes rather than plays the first 80. Um, I, you know, and if that's, I'd rather have that be Villa and have him snap back like he did so often last year. I think when he got a break um, against United on on Sunday, um, I think uh, didn't we see a potential injury towards the end? Uh, someone pick up a knock that uh, that concerned me a little bit. Um, to think about. I think Martinelli had some crampy, and I don't know that it was injury. I also think there's some Brazilian. Uh, I'm going to take some time off the clock here and, and try yeah. and milk. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, I I think you you'll you'll see some changes now. Saka's rested. I think you know you either see Smith Rowe come in and push Martinelli over, or you could see Fabio Vieira for the first time, which I think would be pretty intriguing. Um, um, then yeah. he, it, it, a lot of it depends on whether Partey and um, well, and, and Zinchenko are fit. Yeah, well, I'm with and, you on Saka. I wouldn't mind Vieira playing in that spot just to see kind of what he's got. We haven't got a chance to look at him at all. And if it's me, I don't care if they tell me Thomas Party's 100% good to go, no worries. I'm still not playing him before Sunday. It just seems like an unnecessary risk to take as poor as Villa have been. El Nenny's a he's an okay player in that spot. Like he he can do a job. He did fine yeah, yeah, last well, week. He, I thought he actually played a pretty decent game. So I don't see any reason to sort of rush party back with his history that he's had with us. Yeah. No, he, I, I do he, wonder he, if like uh Arteta looked at the fixture against Fulham and seeing United, you know, at that time ten days away, was just thinking, well, hey, I got two matches on the horizon that Elneny can can jump in, you know, uh, Irny and Zinchenko, pretty much you can exchange both of them. But, you know, you look at these little niggles. You, you, think, go, hey, they rest- you think they rested Partey but didn't want it to – but but they, they put an injury on him that probably isn't even there because they didn't want it to look like they were withdrawing him for the other reason. Um, I don't know. Injury or not, maybe – you know, whatever happens with that with that whole scenario, like we're really not gonna know, right? Like I understand that the girl had her- right, but if, right, but if he doesn't right, but if he doesn't play in a particular day, and they don't say that it's because of some sort of niggling injury, then oh the yeah, then it becomes a story. That, yeah, it's a story that doesn't need to be a story. You can just put something on him and just go, hey, you've got a knock. You know, um, I I was wondering if the Zinchenko thing was was because of the the whole like Ukrainian Independence Day and everything that's happening there. If if Arteta, Arteta said to him too, like, "Yo, let's give you a day to just relax, right? Like, don't you don't I have didn't to relax just... though. He looked pretty damn excited." No, towards yeah, I also love that woman who was like, "Wait, wait, wait, am I supposed to be stopping this dude?" But <laughs> it's, like, clearly, someone else is yelling. He's part of the team, right? Um, 
but no, like, you know, I'm just curious if, if that rotation has already happened with a little bit of like, hey, if you do have a, a niggle, let us know. I am intrigued to know at what point Ben White gets pulled for Tomiyasu, not necessarily because of the skill, but hey, you're going to be coming up someone on the left who is going to be faster, more skilled that maybe White's going to struggle with guy's a phenomenal f- footballer and can play right back against probably most teams. But Tommy also just probably got that little bit more of an engine as well as that right back mindset of like, I shouldn't right. be dive bombing forward or I know how to cut the angles or whatever that be. So I could see white starting to, uh, uh, on Wednesday and then going either into a back three against United or going to the bench and then seeing Tommy also come in. Yeah, and I could potentially see Tomoyasu starting tomorrow in Ben White's place and then going back to, you know, quote, our best 11 for Old Trafford on Sunday, too. But I I, I'm with you. I think the right back spot's one we could see moved around a little bit. Yeah, I just don't want to see White up against uh, Ronaldo or Fernandez. I mean, they're just oh. both Ronaldo. Cunts, so you think right? they're going to rotate their dive. bench in, too? Huh? You said Ronaldo. You think you're, they're going to rotate in their end of the bench players as well. Yeah. Let's if he's not a Napoli player by then. Let's hope he is because he loves to score a goal against stuff. Let's hope he's in yeah. Italy by the weekend. Yeah, I say it jokingly. I'd prefer we didn't see him on Sunday. I'd much rather Martial than Ronaldo, obviously. Right. Yeah. Except Martial will score against us if that happens. It's not they're gonna score against us. But. What happened with Villa though? Like last year they made some pretty good signings. They were signing players that we all were kind of looking at, being like, "Oh, well, this, that could be." They an signed one play, They won. They one or two. They signed Wendy. Uh, uh, well, Wendy. And How dare they made you. a and they made a derisory bid for Emil Smith Rowe. No, they about. stole Arsenal's greatest ever goalkeeper. Okay. Um, all of our fans, Jesus Christ. Remember that eight-game stretch where everyone was like, he's the next coming of Neuer? And and it's like, now look at him. Can't catch a fucking cold. And he he looks like- he's led them to a win this year, I'll have you know. <laughs> a <been> win. Fantastic. <laughs> And, and did he lead it to them? Did he lead them to it for real? Or, or you, you know, just hell, I don't know. I can't watch them play. They're terrible. <laughs> but it so, is surprising when you look at Coutinho and Ali Watkins and Buendia. They've got so many players. Like, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. And again, it's Ollie four Watkins games in. Maybe they'll player. turn it around. What's that? Ali Watkins is a player I would open the checkbook for. He's going to be a I agree. special He's player. very a good. good team. Jeez. Like if I'm looking, like if I'm United and I'm looking for, I'm a good, I'm a good League right One there. team in division in uh, in South London. Uh, it'd be great. Don't go there, Mike. <laughs> All right, I was talking, you know, talking about a long time ago. <laughs> Keep going. No, uh, I actually agree on Watkins. He's he would be like our type of center forward if if we needed one, which we don't. He's that no. type of player. He's a huge yeah. engine, but he's athletic. He can put in a goal. He's he's a great player. I'm a big fan of his in general. Yeah, he's a great player. And I, I think like a United would I mean they, they need that type of a player, right? Uh I, you know, I'm surprised that a bigger club haven't come in for him already. He's been at Villa for a couple seasons where he's been proving and even Southgate's been taking him to some England camps. Like he's a good young player. 
he's very good. And I was surprised he didn't move over the summer potentially too, but maybe in his mind, Villa was going to be a more competitive team, you know, competing for one of those bottom end European places, which I mean, they still could do. They're talented, but I just think it's unlikely. Mike, we have a comment in the chat for you. The second, the second it came up, I started laughing. Andy, do you, uh, can you, do you have the ability to upload your, your score for this week? It looked pretty good. Upload my oh from your fantasy. Yeah, it looked it looked smashing. Dude. I don't know what 122 points means, but uh, Jared, I opened impressive. that up and I was like, "Holy shit!" Crushed that's, it. That's a pretty outrageous week. Here, for not using a triple captain or a bench boost or anything like that. No, I didn't. I tr- I was so stupid. I tried like special buttons that they've added to this that you can push. Like it sounds like Add- a fucking video game. Push, push, and a double push, and a smash. All right, but all right. So one twenty-four. Walk, walk us through who you were happy about this weekend. <laughs> uh, I was I was happy about a lot of players, um, but early Holland, Holland, and Sterling, and TAA. All right, so so yay Liverpool and Chelsea. We've got that. <laughs> Mike, they're all below us in the table, baby. Don't worry about it. What else good happened to, to, to players we hate? So, Jared, I'm in a fantasy uh, uh, American football league with Mike, and he has one draft-like uh, strategy, and it's to draft any player whose name in any instance has Jew in it. So if the player Eugene like Smith Schuster first round, <laughs> look at him laughing because he knows it's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's what his draft strategy is. Or if they are Jewish. And so, and like one year, he actually, did you win the league? I won the league the very first year because yeah. I collected all the money. And then at the end, all I had to do was just not pay anyone. Like, like it was, I didn't even win anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. And then, yeah, that was like seven, six years ago when, when Mama and Daddy Bear started the, that, that group. But. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. And, um, I'm so glad those teams didn't drop all those extra points. Hey, the highest team this week scored 149. So it was only 25 points off. And that's because the person triple captain for Mino. Super cap. Oh, well, he must be thrilled. <laughs> such a douche. Yeah. He controls the weather and he controls fantasy football. Isn't there some rookie player? Did we just talk about this this year? Whose name's like Jewison McDaniel or something like that? Did I just make that up? I thought I thought everyone. I think you did. I don't it know doesn't sound familiar, but I'm not up on the Jewish professional football culture the way you are. Okay. Well, Nor am I. I'm the girl. How do you know when they're wearing their yarmulkes under the helmets? That's my question. You just have faith. Um, hold on. Oh, Jewish and Bennett is <laughs> uh, Costa Costa Rica and professional. Uh, no, Jewish and Dawkins. Do you know what our you- listeners? They don't log in mostly to hear Mike list off a bunch of Jewish Saudig <laughs> football players. It's him eating into the microphone. He has right next to him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> and now he's gonna choke live on air. So <laughs> oh, give me a second. <laughs> Jesus, how do we mute this guy? Oh man. Oh, all right, he made it. He pulled sorry. through. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. On that note, it's about 10 minutes to the top of the hour. So if you guys want to do any questions, we can jump in on some of those. Uh, if anybody my... in the chat has questions, you want to ask for me or Andy, or you want to hear Mike cough his way through, put them in the chat. We'll try and get to a few of those on the back end here. Well, and, and in the meantime, uh, you know, and, and it could be a long meantime if we don't get any, but uh, I have a slideshow of my weekend. A lot of people that you, Andy, um, have, have met, but not seen for years. And a lot of folks that both of you and, and myself, uh, generally have only met a couple times, if ever. So, um, this was for you, Andy dental exam for, uh, for, for Russell Hogg says, hi, nice. Nice. this was, Did he uh, take any photos of you. No, this was this was uh, a photo taken at random, uh, just a nice selfie of Steph and I. But you know, obviously, if you zoom in a little bit, you see the most disgustingly square. Or what is that shape? It's a it's very a, weird shape for it's sure. It's a square with a rhombus like attached to the bottom of it. It is making me nauseous. How square that head is. Do you it have looks any like other a Lego man. And of course, now I can't find how to get it up. Oh, uh, what else happened? Uh, oh, Jace was by. Jace wanted to say hi oh, nice. to you, sons of bees. Uh, who else was there? Oh, that's Jace again. This is Marky. Uh, <laughs> Mark Shatwell, we were we we I believe had just found out the news that uh, that Zinchenko was not was not playing, mm. and uh, and then at halftime, of course, we were finally able to reunite. Oh, that's not the one. Reunite with so, who was on like no sleep in about thirty six hours, but but gutted the game out, and uh, and it was great to see. So if this is uh, this is how how the game finished. <laughs> And uh, this is Arteta's ass taken from our seats. <laughs> uh, it's the full-size picture, if you want to see that. We got all the staff basically huddled up in, like, the 93rd minute, hoping that the whistle was going to blow. That's in the blue. That's Mark Ganella, who we saw <laughs> constantly at the, uh, at the summer tour. This is Odegaard coming off, and I believe, because I couldn't get any video uploaded, this is our uh, this is our final picture of the game. Thank you. Now, are there any pic uh, user questions for the panel? We've got a few. Mike, we'll give this first one to you. From Gunnerworks, he says, should we be concerned that our center backs are better at knee sliding than most, if not all of our forward line? Nothing will get better than the one that Saka that almost ended Saka's career last season, but then it turned into the most beautiful one when he, when he, did the knee, when he did the knee slide that ended up having to go into a somersault because he like popped up and he was going to otherwise do his entire skeletal system. Um, but uh, but yeah, our, our, our CBs are pretty good at knee sliding. Uh, I will say that the one from 
excuse me, the one from Saliba last uh, last week was was very appetizing. So uh, as long as our center backs, if our center backs scored more often than our forward line, I mean, Gabriel it wasn't, did it wasn't like I think one every three. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, I, if they keep scoring at the rate that they're scoring now, let me put it that way, I'll be perfectly happy for half of the goals to come from them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this next one I'll take really quick from from Demsek. He just says, does Tommy start against Villa or do you keep White? This kind of Andy and I touched on earlier. I think we both think that's a spot that we'll see some rotation in what order. It, it's tough to say whether it'll be tomorrow or Sunday. I actually like playing Tommy against Villa a little more than I do against United. So, yeah, for me, I would start Tommy uh, tomorrow. Uh, next one, Andy. We'll skip that. No, I'm not. My <clears throat> Well, if, he, if if that was a question for me, that's actually the day. I, that, I, I think that's a week from Thursday. Um, is it a game? Yeah, that is, uh, unfortunately, the latest I could stay in Europe was the 8th, which was that Thursday. And so I made our, our train for that, our, our, our flight for that day. And this was before we had dropped out of fourth place. So I was just praying for those Tuesday, Wednesday games because I would have been able to go to a home one mm-hmm. and or – travel to an away one if it was on the Tuesday and uh, didn't happen. So I'll be flying during the Zerg. Well, I'll be flying or in Portland by the Zerg game. Well, maybe in 2023 we'll get a Tuesday or Wednesday game. All right. Last question here from Demsec again. Andy, if you could get two more players this window, what not specifically what players, but what positions are you looking to fill? I would look at um, central mid and then probably right wing. I know that we've got Sokka out there, and, and you could probably put Vieira, Smith, Rowe, but I'd like an out-and-out right winger that can compete with Sokka. Um, you know, I think they're, like Sokka needs a break. You know, We can't rely on him to play every match, and we see when he goes on these long runs, sometimes he, he overcommits, and that's what gets you hurt, right? So I want to get a player in that can compete with him. Um yeah, I know, a lot, I know a lot of people were what? Well, who's the guy that uh, West Ham signed today? The Brazilian? How do you say his name? Paqueta. Oh, what is it? Yeah, Paqueta. Paqueta. I mean, it's a great signing for 50 mil. Just that's a lot, you know. I think we can get two players for that amount and and have a quality player as well. Um, I do still expect Tillemans to come in really late this week. The next 48 hours, I can see us doing that business. Um, I, I can I, see it, but I'm kind of torn on that one because now, you know, it's basically September right now with the World Cup break. We're two months out from the January transfer window, you know, in terms of Premier League games because we'll be off all of December. I mean, it's two months from now. We can basically get him for next to nothing. I, I, is it worth it to pay 20-ish million well, we now? Because he can't enter into a contract with us until the summer. No, right, well, I mean, no. We can sign him in January for significantly less because at that point, they're going to yeah, be bottom the of risk, the table. Though, you have no reason to keep them. Yeah, but the risk, though, is you also have like a European club come in for him and say, hey, we'll offer you 200000 not one fifty, and then that might turn his head. Um, they've had all summer I don't to know. do that, though. I haven't heard yeah. any mention of anybody asking about him, really. It just seems like I don't know if the perception is that he just wants Arsenal or if there's just not a lot of interest for what it'll cost. I mean, teams outside of the Premier League certainly don't spend the way we do, so maybe that puts people off. But it just seems like Leicester doesn't have a lot going for them in these negotiations. 
I think he wants out the door. He's on his final year. They're not doing anything good on the pitch to entice him to stay. So I guess that was my only question is, do you try and make it through the next two months with less squad, um, hoping to get him for cheap in January, or do you bite the bullet, pay the money, get him now, and at least have an extra quality person in there? I feel like it depends on the winger situation, right? Like, So it sounds like Wolves are not going to sell Neto for anything less than 60. And then someone put in the comment, you know, maybe Zaha is the guy, which I could totally see. We all know he's an Arsenal fan. Do I? Would he be my first choice? No. Um, but, and Mike, I mean, I see you're shaking your head. I'll make this point, then you can jump in. The only reason I like Zaha is because Premier League ready. He is a good player. He And I like the fact that he's older because all the players below him are going to be younger in age. And I like the fact that we're not bringing in, you know, I'd prefer to bring in someone a little bit more seasoned, right? Um, I would prefer Neto over Zaha, but I, I, I just, I want someone who's Premier League ready. I mean, it's a great signing for West Ham, but, Moyes hasn't embedded any of those players into his starting eleven yet because they're not ready. <clears throat> you know? Yeah, I mean it I just don't love the idea of finally getting rid of a 31 a huh? <laughs> <laughs> But you know, getting rid of a 30, 31, 32 year old striker and then going back and Picking up a thirty-year-old winger, uh, but, the, but the, we got rid of a thirty-one-year-old striker because he was a little fucking baby bitch. Zaha right, will bleed. Right, but I just—I I don't know. I'm not saying that every player I want to buy needs to be 20, 21, 22, 23 like we've been buying. I mean that—that's unsustainable and unrealistic. And you're going to miss out on people who are, you know, who still have the prime of their career for them. Um, but Zaha kind of feels like. At this point, even if it was Arsenal and I, who, who I know he, he feels strong about, is just gonna kind of sit on his contract. And I, I I've never liked the way he plays. I think it's all flash, a lot less substance, um, and a lot of cheating. And, so, and how much would you pay for Zaha? He turns thirty in November, so a couple months from now. Well, how's he, how, how are we looking at using him? Like basically just as as the second. Behind, I mean, as the person who comes in when Saka doesn't play, well, here's or, the thing: or, Zaha's more of a left winger, right? Well, so, okay, yeah, sure. but again, I think you could probably push him out to the right, but I think he's naturally more gifted on the left, and you see him more dangerous on the left, as we saw against Fulham. And I and I fucking loved that Saka and Martinelli switched because that started to cause a lot of problems. And if you can do that to 17 teams in the league. Yeah, I actually pointed that out in the chat. Yeah, like that looked really, I saw really, something really tactical. I yeah. saw a tactical thing there. X's and O's. Sign this I, guy up for a job. He could be a coach. I noticed because there was nobody there to tell me in the in the there was no announces in the chat room in the uh in the stands in the chat. Were you room. the were you did Steph go to the game with you? Yeah. Were did you, the you, guy did you just not look at the pictures? Were you, well, yeah, I know, but were you the guy in the meme who was explaining to the girl the rules and she's just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I can see Mike doing that stuff. I, I don't think I was explaining the rules, but she uh, uh, that's because I knew that she wouldn't give a shit. Um, we just did love, I mean, we just enjoyed the atmosphere. I mean, obviously, thank you, uh, 
to uh, to to Jack for the seats. Um, absolute class, and uh, and we buy those seats from him. Um, I insist on buying them because he's so generous with Gunners versus Cancer, and I don't like you know any kind of inference that uh, you know that there's anything going on. So I do pay for those tickets when I use them. Uh, so unbelievable, and I, I did not see Alan Davies' penis this time. I was looking for it, but I did not see it this time. So let's assume, like, all right, so Zaha and Neto, the, the, the two names that keep popping up as we head into the transfer windows. Jared, let me ask you, right, one's about to turn 30. The other one's 22, 23. I can't remember. I would say one's probably $60 million in Neto, and then Zaha, you could probably get him for high 20s, low 30s. You've got maybe two of the most exciting young players in the world in those positions right now. Do you want to add a third in there that like, you know, again, Wolves are an exciting team, or do you want to add maybe a, a senior type of player for half the price where you can say, Hey, you could take the, he is a leader. He is a, like take some of these players under your wing and, and, and kind of help them grow. Right. Of that too. I would take Neto. 60 million is probably more than I would want to pay. If, if you can get him for 50 or less, that's probably an, not, a, it's not going to be a terrible buy. He's oh, younger. Dude. He's got a lot of upside. Zaha, if it was 2003. Yeah, if it was 2018, I'd be pumped for Zaha. <clears throat> right now, it's a pass. I wouldn't. As in, as in if it were what they pretty much when we, signed, when we had signed uh, uh, Pepe, Pepe. If we had gotten Zaha instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If we had signed him then, he probably would have been a good contributor here or decent. But right now, there's no number because there's no number that I would pay currently that they would accept for him because it would just be too small. And, and, and what kind of. <laughs> oh, Dublin Gooner just pops in. I missed the start of the show. Is the only reason why Jared's dressed like a nightclub bouncer? And and you really are. The earpiece, too. I, uh... I mean, is that. Are you wearing a suit? No, it's like a jacket. It's like a light collared jacket. It looks, it, it looks like a tuxedo. Dublin no, I, said, maybe for the next show. I don't know about injecting Zaha's giant ego and Moni ways. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fair. Yeah. 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 I, I think that, you know, there's, there's another comment as well from, from, uh, yeah. I mean, the Zaha flopped at United. Uh, but then we, on the flip side, he comes with experience and is hungry to win. So here's my question. Like, can you overcome, Okay, let's take Xhaka, right? So a lot of people thought he had an ego and was like this baby. And then you see the behind the scenes and you're like, well, actually, he's completely the opposite. So my question is, like, if you were to sign Zaha, right, let's say Edu and, and Arteta brought him to the club. I mean, you, he can't bring that into a, a that into the team, right? Like, he would have to change. Can he change? No. Zaha, no. He He is who he is. And he's, I think he's a good star of a mediocre team. But I'm not sure if you inject him into this team where he's just one of the wingers rather than like absolutely the man. I'm not sure that really fits his personality. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think he, you know, he'll come in and be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a winner. Someone's come, oh, hungry to win. He's hungry to win, but he doesn't know how. He's never been in that situation, in that position. So, you know, I, I just I, I think it destabilizes the team. It's like it's basically like going on a smooth up ramp 
and then just taking on a piece of trash all you know half <laughs> you know what I'm here for guys I am totally 100 percent Edu behind Edu and Arteta I have to, I have to clarify hours. I have to clarify I was making an analogy to a almost perfect situation I was not making a analogy between a piece of trash and Zaha I just want to make that clear uh, I, I just I just that, that the car ends up getting slightly damaged in the trajectory because of something that flies into it, like a paper bag or something like that. So yeah, I, I, that's my apology. No, I was going to say I'm I'm totally here for Edu in the next 48 hours to pull a Tommy Osu out of his ass. Some unheard like a, un, like we have never heard of a player, yeah. and he comes in and just completely blows us all away. And and whatever I think they all know the two positions were desperate for for depth. Right. And uh, I could also see us not signing anyone in the next couple of days because we do have Vieira in that central mid position. We haven't seen him play yet. Um, and, and we saw their willingness the latter half of last season to not sign somebody if they didn't feel like they were the right fit. Like, I don't think they're going right. to sign a player just to sign a player. So if somebody who's high on their list works out in the next day or so, I'd be pumped if we brought one more in. But if it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm kind of OK with that, too. I'm so excited that we're just in a position right now where it's like we're on the fourth. Like we're just there's a lot of positives happening, mm -hmm. and the last couple seasons it's just been so dull and just sad. And it's just like, you know, it's great watching that all or nothing episode and being like, yeah, who gives a fuck? We lost and we're not in the Champions League because we're max points, right? And it looks like we're gonna go through a season where. We're not going to lose 12 games, knock on wood. You know? it, it definitely took the sting off of the final episode, knowing where we are now and waiting to watch it until we had already started out three of three. Well, you know, it's funny. I was watching it with Chris. She doesn't really follow the Premier League. She knows when Arsenal wins and loses based off of my general mood in the house. But when the episode ends and, and you know, she sees it and she's like, so what was your takeaway? And I went, the whole episode, the whole thing, we were screaming for a striker, and we filled that hole, right? right. And mm -hmm. we not only filled it, but we filled it with a guy who's fucking class. So I'm like, hindsight is really great on this because the one area we all knew as fans we needed to address, they clearly knew something was happening in the background. You know, I'm, I'm certain that. Well, and how, and how interesting will watching uh, Isaac at Newcastle be all of a sudden for Arsenal fans this year? Right. I mean, you know, you don't if he not does well, easy. then it'll be an, an agenda thing. Yeah, for all I mean, three of the goals he's going to score. Business, but like, you do not not make a move in January when you know you need a striker. If Arteta and Jesus have not had a conversation or if there have, have at least been an agent reaching out being like, hey, we're interested to make a move, right? Because mm -hmm. there makes no other sense that you just go into the last half of the season with, with Enkedia, who, there, again, there's nothing wrong. He looked... Coming on against Villa and, or Fulham, and again it's Fulham. He right, so, looked he looked tasty for a moment. Mm -hmm. I was like, Jesus, this kid looks like he wants to prove a point. So let me ask you this then: Would that have been the time for some sort of crazy like Giroud loan, like like just a you know a loan from January to the end of the season, so that wouldn't ultimately usurp the position? And and you yeah, know, but I you're also. You're also trying to keep a young English player at the club, right? And so you're kind of between a rock and a hard place where it's like, okay, you know a player who's unhappy. There's a gap to be filled. <coughs> and 
and he did well. He filled it well. Yeah, we and he wasn't the reason we didn't qualify for no, Champions League. Absolutely, last year. he wasn't. He was the reason that no, we were in no, no, no. It wasn't that he. It wasn't that he was bad. It's just like I'm just saying that the gamble of bringing on a new person in January that is as much or more money as as Jesus was going to be in the summer then blocks that whole thing. But you know, if if you were thinking in terms of needing to bring in someone on top, on top of Nketiah, you could have we could have loaned. That would be where you would you know loan a Zaha type player, but but in the nine position, someone who's got you know 28, 29, 30, 31 even in the in the uh, Premier League or, or something like that. But mm-hmm. but they didn't yeah. do it. And and as much as we all talk about those things, you know the club on the inside has gone through every possible permutation of players you could bring in, loan out, loan in, and every possible thing. And I think, like Andy said, at the end of the day, they knew they had Jesus coming in the summer. So knowing that, knowing the outlay you were going to have for him, it kind of made that decision easier to ride out the end of the season with, with Nketiah. And, and like I said, Eddie Nketiah was good enough to get us top four last year in that spot the last eight games. Like, it wasn't his play that brought us off that. It was the, <coughs> all the injuries in defense and our inconsistency overall. So it wasn't – it's one of those things that wasn't an incorrect decision. It just didn't play out the way you wanted with the rest of the team. And it, it's he, unfortunate he, for us. He secured but us Europa League. He did secure us Europa without, League. Without his goals, we were screwed. I mean, Laka wasn't putting him in. No, know? I mean, I said it kind of joking earlier, but Gabrielle scored, I think, the same number of goals that Lacazette did last year in the center yeah. half position. I mean, he yeah. offered nothing going forward. So it, it's always easy to kind of pick those things apart, you know, six months down the line when we see how everything played out. But even looking back at specifically the striker decision, I don't necessarily think it was the wrong one. It just kind of gets looked at that way because we didn't have the the final result we uh, we all would have wanted. And looks like it's about 5.15. So with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Thanks, everybody in the chat for joining. It's been uh, a lot of fun. I'll wear my bouncer outfit again sometime soon. That look, uh, if you- it, looks, it looks like a big fat tie. It doesn't look like the white dress shirt. It looks like you're wearing a black shirt and that the white stuff that was showing was a tie and and therefore very much like a, uh, almost like a tuxedo with a white tie. Oh, can we Somebody play, has can to I add an element of class to the podcast at some point. Can I propose a game for future podcasts? And it doesn't have to be every podcast, Jared, but I feel like every now and again, you have to come dressed in a way that we're all like guess the job jared's going to after the pod so like tonight would have been like about you're going to go to the nightclub deal blackjack or something like yeah yeah so like you just I'll wear like a, I, a bright red shirt with a black vest like i deal blackjack on a riverboat casino just with a green visor <laughs> you know? and nothing else <laughs> all right well this that is, is nice where we're nice absolutely gonna end this one Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Like the video. Subscribe if you're new. And as a reminder, uh, this Friday, you see it on the bottom of the screen, Gooners versus Cancer Live, Ridley Road Social Club, 6.30 p.m. on Friday. A ton of great Arsenal presenters are going to be there. Uh, They're all going to be there to hang out, chat with you, just a fiver to get in. All the money, of course, goes to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society uh, via Gooners v. Cancer. Should be a really fun day. We look forward to seeing everybody out there. So thank you, as always, and come on, you Gooners.